right, so um, even as I, I, I saw those pictures, I don't know how many times as I was putting it all together, and I've seen them in times past, of course, but, you know, I got kind of reminiscent looking at some of that because, boy, it seems like some of it just, it seems like so long ago, like the, like the uh, Valentine's Banquet, that seemed like it was ages ago, and yet in ways it seems like it was just yesterday, and, and seeing how little some of the kids were, it seemed like, and then even in the last couple months, how much they've grown, um, it, it, there's just been a lot that's changed in our lives, hadn't there? And and it, it happens in a personal uh, in, in a personal way. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us have had uh, additions to the family through birth or marriage. Some of us maybe have gotten new jobs. Others have left jobs. Uh, maybe we've moved to a different home. Some of us have had kids that started school. Some are finishing up school. Uh, 2015 brought a lot of changes to our lives. It brought a lot of changes to our nation. And no doubt 2016 is going to have its shares of ups and downs too. When I stood up here on the, in January of 2015, there's no way that I could have imagined some of the stuff that was going to happen. But even though I don't know what's going to happen in 2016, there is one thing I do know, and that is that God's still in control. He's the one that's still on the throne. Uh, he's still going to win. The devil's still going to lose. He's the one. That nothing that happened in 2015 took him by surprise. Now, there are a lot of things that surprised me. Like in February, we got a call about John. Surprise! Guess what? That didn't surprise God a bit. In 2016, all the stuff that's going to happen that we don't have any idea about, God already knows what's going on. He already knows how it's going to turn out. And the things that God wants us to do is, as a church, as his representatives on earth, they're still the same today as they were in the first century church. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. It's the day of Pentecost where we're going to pick up. And just to kind of fill you in on chapter 1 and, and part of chapter 2, uh, this is a week and a half after Jesus has ascended back to heaven. 120 of Jesus' followers are gathered together. They're praying, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And just before the text that we read, the Spirit has been given, and, and the, the apostles, the disciples, have all been given this supernatural ability to speak in a language that they've never learned. And the end, uh, the end result of that, of course, is that people from all over the world that were gathered in, in Jerusalem could then hear the gospel in their own language. And so uh, there's this big commotion. Everybody starts, they come in to see what's going on. And Peter stands up and begins to preach. And he preaches a very simple message, uh, one of, of salvation. Uh, and the people are cut to the quick, the old King James says. The uh, newer translations say something to the effect of, they were convicted. They, they, they felt a, a weight and a heaviness to his words, and they, were, they asked Peter, they said, what, what then should we do? How should we respond? What should be our next step? And so in our text, Peter's going to answer that question, and then the Bible records some things the, the early church was faithful to do. And it's this model that the church sets for us that, uh, that I want us to focus on today. And, and these are things that we need to be faithful to in the purposes of the church, but... Uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. If you found Luke, uh, Acts chapter 2, please stand with me in honor of God's word. And we're going to pick up reading in verse 37. It says, Now when they heard this, and this is talking about Peter's sermon, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
for the promises for you and your children and for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. And here's, here's the verse that we're going to key in on. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Thank you. you. may be seated. Now, the first thing that I want you to see in our text today is, is that 2016 may be the year that you need to be saved. It may be the year that you need to be saved. Now, when the people heard the message of salvation, when they heard the gospel, they responded with, a, uh, with they, they pleaded with Peter and said, Brethren, what shall we do then? What should our response be? What is the next step that we need to take? And Peter's response is very easy to understand. There are two things he says to do. The first is repent. Repent. Now, I, I talked about being saved. We in, we in the church use that, use kind of Christianese sometimes, don't we? We talked about being saved, and that's shorthand. Uh, but somebody from the outside may not know what I'm talking about. And maybe, maybe you've been in church for a long time, and, and you don't know what exactly it means to, to be saved. What does it mean? Well, to be saved means primarily in, in, this, in, in this context to be saved from the penalty of sin, to be saved from the wrath of God in hell. And the Bible says that apart from Christ, we all stand condemned because we've not believed on the Son. And so when we are saved, we experience salvation. God forgives us, and therefore we do not have to undergo the punishment for our sin. That's what being saved is. That's what salvation is. And today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. So how do we become saved? Well, what did Peter say? One word. Repent. Repent. And to repent means that we have a change of heart and mind. It means that we had an attitude towards sin at one point where it was okay with us, we were good with it, we enjoyed it. But now we've had a change of mind, and so now we don't like doing that stuff anymore. Now we, we were headed for sin, but now we've turned our back and we head towards God instead. And to have a change of mind, you first have to have a change of heart. And when we repent... We, we turn our lives around, we, we, we turn to God in faith, and we ask Him to forgive us, to save us, and, uh, and that's what it means to be saved. So that's the first thing, that's the first step that you need to do. The other thing Peter said is repent and what? Be baptized. Now, baptism doesn't save us. He's not giving us a two-part formula for, for, for getting saved. Repentance is the only thing that's required to be saved. Baptism is the first step of, of obedience after someone gets saved. Baptism is the first step of, of obedience after someone gets saved. Now, some people just don't know that. Some people, maybe, maybe they got saved, maybe it was in a revival service or church service, but nobody ever told them they need to be baptized. But the Bible commands it, Jesus commands it, and it always follows in the Bible salvation, then baptism. There's one notable exception, that's the thief on the cross, and he didn't really have much of a choice in that matter. But it's salvation... And then baptism. And, and maybe I, I hear stories all the time of, uh, of people who just never knew that they need to be baptized. Or maybe they were in a church and there was some kind of a, a church split. You know, there was always some, something going on in a church somewhere, right? I remember whenever I was uh, called to preach. I was, uh, God called me to preach and I, I surrendered my life to God and, and uh, made that public at, at the church that we were going to. And it wasn't too long after that they were going to license me 
But then there was church drama. And there ended up being, and, and if you've ever been in a church where there's been drama, you know that the focus isn't on the young preacher boy. The, the, the focus is on whatever the drama is. And so uh, I, I was called to preach. They were going to license me, but then church drama happened, and I was, I was off on the wayside. And it wasn't until after I was already graduated from college that I was ever licensed to preach. Now, maybe that's happened with you. Maybe you were going to be baptized, but something happened in the church where you were, or, or something like that. Maybe you moved just before you were able to, to be baptized, or whatever it is. And maybe, maybe 2016 the year is the year that you need to actually do what the Bible says and, and to be baptized. And, and notice the order here. It's salvation, and then baptism, and then they're added to the congregation. And, and maybe you need to be added to a congregation. Maybe you need to make a decision about a church home. Now, I know church membership isn't a very popular uh, topic today because everybody wants to be, you know, don't tell me I need to be this place or that place, it, you know, whatever. They, people have all kinds of different ideas. But what is church membership? Really, it's just putting down roots. Church membership is making a commitment to a body of believers. We, here at New Hope, we call it a church family because you all feel like family. And, and it's, it's making a commitment saying, I'm going to be here regularly. Uh, you know, there's mutual encouragement. There's accountability. And you, do, you just don't get that if you don't have some place to call home. And, again, if you're interested in becoming a member of New Hope sometime, uh, visit with me after the service, and, and we'll talk about next steps. Now, those things are just kind of incidental to the first part of it. They're becoming the church. But what should our focus as a church, as a body of believers, as a church family, what should our focus be in this coming year? Well, as I said, verse 42 gives us a good example. And on the surface, if you'll notice, it seems like there are four things that they did, doesn't it? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking their bread, and to prayer. You count them four. But grammatically, we don't get this in, in the English, but in the Greek, the first two are set apart from the second two. In other words, the first two, the, the, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, those are like the big categories, and then the breaking of bread and prayer are, are subsections of the fellowship. I know that may not mean a lot to you. That probably blessed your soul. But, but, um, but it's, it, it's helpful to properly understand this. So what does the Bible say? Look at verse 42 again. It says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and a prayer. Now, my Bible says they were continually devoting themselves. Your Bible may say something a little bit different there, but no matter how, the, how your Bible renders it, the, the, the idea is still the same. This was something that they did on a regular basis. It might accurately be uh, rendered, they, they regularly persisted. The word here, and it's just one word in the Greek, means to attend to somebody and not leave his side. Okay, they, they were faithful in doing it. It means that they didn't just do a New Year's resolution. Has anybody made a New Year's resolution? Anybody broke the New Year's resolution yet? Man, it's like this every year. Well, you guys don't even make resolutions. But I, I make them sometimes, and by, by now I've, I've usually already failed at them. But, and by March, I don't even think about it. I don't even remember what I've resolved to do. But that's not what these people did. They didn't sit down and say, oh, let's, let's have a New Year's resolution. We're really going to go to church a lot. 
Let's have a New Year's resolution. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and then forget about it. The Bible, uh, the way it presents it here, is that these are things that was a, they were a priority for them. It was a way of life for them. And so the first thing they were faithful to, if you'll notice verse 42 again, was hearing and doing what the apostles taught. Hearing and doing what the apostles taught. Say, that sounds good to me. Know any apostles? Uh, no, there aren't any running around. So what, how does that affect us in 2016? Well, thankfully for us, the things that they taught, it's recorded in the Bible. So while we don't have the apostles walking around in the flesh, we have something even better, and that's the words written down in the Bible. How's that better? Well, if, if Peter is visiting Halltown, he can't visit New Hope. And if he's at New Hope, he can't be at Chesapeake. But guess what? We have Peter's words, and Halltown, New Hope, and Chesapeake can all hear it and see it at the same time. That's a lot better, I think. And so, so what we need to do is we need to be faithful to the Word of God. Now, that means that we, both you guys and I, have some responsibilities here. I have a responsibility to preach and to teach the Word of God accurately. And I may not do it interestingly, but I do try to be accurate and faithful when I preach the Word. And that's what my goal is every time I stand before you to preach, is to help you understand and apply the Bible. That's my responsibility. Your responsibility, well, you have a couple of them. One of them is, to, is attendance, and the other is obedience to what the Bible says. Now, probably somebody just thought, gone to Medlin. He's quit preaching, and he's gone to Medlin. He's talking about church attendance and things. And he's just keeping his nose out of my business. Well, let's just, let's just be real a little bit. So I've been, in, I've been in church all my life, and I've, I've been in the ministry for a while now. And I've heard a lot of stuff. And one of the things that I've heard, and probably you've heard this too, well, church attendance isn't really that important. I can worship God anywhere. Anybody ever heard that? Maybe you've said that. Probably you didn't, but somebody on your row may have. And you think, well, that's kind of true, isn't it? You can worship God anywhere. And isn't that what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman? He said, you know, it's one, uh, the day is coming and now is when it's not up in Mount Garrison that you'll worship or up in Jerusalem, but, but God's looking for people that will worship him in spirit and truth. And doesn't that mean that we can worship God anywhere? Sure. But let me ask you a question. The question... The answer to that isn't really can, but is. Can you worship God anywhere? Absolutely. Is you worshiping God when you're staying home? Not usually. You might be worshiping the God of pigskin. You might be worshiping the God of the oval track. You might be worshiping the God of your bed. But most likely, you're not worshiping the God of the Bible when you're staying home. Now, I understand sometimes you're sick, sometimes the kids are sick, sometimes work schedules keep you from coming. I understand all that. But let, has anybody ever, ever gotten out of the habit of coming to church? I have. I mean, I, I, you go to church your whole life, you miss two weeks, and you never go back. And it's easy to get out of the habit. It just is. And I think that's one reason why the book of Hebrews says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. Now, why is this important? Because that's when we come together as a corporate body to hear the word of God. 
But you can hear the Word all you want, but hearing is useless if you're not doing. That's what James says. Faith without works is dead. So, so when we come together, we need to come with the expectation we're going to meet God, we're going to hear from God, we need to prepare our hearts, and we need to be ready to put into practice what His Word says. We need to have, we, we need to have a shift whenever we get into this mindset of, I know the Bible says this, but. Two, I know the Bible says this, so. Big difference. And so there's, there's a tendency and obedience to the word that's, that, are, that are incredibly important. That's uh, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. But also notice the verse 42 again. They were devoting themselves to fellowship. I'm surprised I didn't get an amen. This is a Baptist church, right? Fellowship. Hallelujah. Now, that's a Baptist language. But I want to tell you, fellowship is more than a covered dish. My uncle, is, he's been in church a long time, and and he, he always used to announce, uh, bring a covered dish and something in it. You know, and, and uh, I don't know why I told you that. But anyway, if you hear me say it, you'll know I ripped it off from him. But fellowship is more than bringing food to a fellowship or feed, food to a meal. It includes that, but it's more than that. Fellowship, the word that's used speaks of community. It speaks of having some commonalities. Listen, this church or or really the church universal, is not made up of people who would necessarily be friends naturally. And what I mean is, we may have people that we get along with that maybe say, maybe aren't say, because we share some common interests, maybe it's hunting, fishing, so on, whatever it is, and, and we have some common interests, and you think, well, I'm just going to a church that, that has that common interest. But the church is more than that. The church is a community, it's a fellowship, and you can, have, you can have fellowship with somebody who doesn't have the same interests as you because you, you share some things like uh, some of the same struggles that are common to Christians. You, you share the same hope and the same future. You share the same enemies, the same faith, and so forth. And I said earlier, New Hope is, we, I often call it a church family. And in many ways, whether you all like it or not, I think it would be kind of like family. I don't have any blood kin here in Missouri. Well, I guess if you go back far enough to, to know it, we're all related somehow. But you know what I'm saying. I don't have any, I don't have any family here. And so you guys are, are surrogates. You're, you're, my, you're my family. And, and I think from what, I've, from what I've heard, a lot of people think of this group uh, kind of like an extended family. So what can we do to foster that fellowship that we have right here in the church, that community? Well, one of the things that we can do, and I, I mentioned it a moment ago, is to share a meal. And that seems like such a, such a small thing, but uh, fellowship, I said it before, is, is more than a covered dish, but it's not less than that. Uh, fellowship includes sitting down and, and sharing time together as you're eating and things like that. A while back, we decided to have Fifth Sunday Fellowship. Does anybody remember that? It's been a few years that we decided that, and lately, because of some scheduling things and your pastor's kind of forgetful and, and different things like that, a lot of times that hasn't ended up on the calendar this, this past year, three, or, or so forth. Uh, but what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to do that. And you probably noticed that January 31st, we're having the fellowship. 
that's the first fifth Sunday. We have one this month, and I thought, well, that's great. And so uh, and this is, I think this is a good thing also because we go in little spurts. And you may have noticed up on the, up on the uh, video just a little bit ago, we had a, stuff in like February. We had ladies' tea, I think it was in March maybe. We had like a, the Valentine's banquet, then we had the ladies' tea, and then we had a little gap, and then we had, uh, we had VBS, which is at the end of May this, this past year. Usually it's a little bit later. And then we had a big gap, and then we have, uh, you know, then we have our, our gag gift party and stuff. And it seems like we have a whole bunch at the beginning of the year and a whole bunch at the end of the year where we get together, spend time together, and it's, it's fun, I enjoy it. But sometimes in there, there's some gaps. And hopefully this will help to fill some of those gaps. Uh, we'll also have other events throughout the year that we can just share life together. Anybody know where... Uh, Grace Community Church is up here on K Highway. It's uh, like Country Junction, hang a left. It's that big white church on the right. Um, they have a uh, Tri-County Pregnancy Resource Center night, basically. And uh, a couple years ago, some of us went. They had a trivia night. They raised money for the uh, Pregnancy Resource Center. I got a letter in the mail just this past week. They're going to be having another one. You might, might think about that, especially if you like trivia, if, even if you don't like trivia, but you support that. Uh, that might be something to do. I think it's coming up in April. I don't know the date on that for sure. Uh, we'll probably have maybe a, a game night sometime uh, where we just get together and play games. Just, it's just fellowship. It's just enjoying time together. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, that's, that's all fine and dandy, but you don't know my calendar. You don't know my schedule because I, I don't have any time. Listen, you may not be able to make everything. I may not be able to make everything. Don't stone me. But I, I have a family, too. I have other commitments outside of the pastoring work and different things. We may not be able to make everything. But you know what? Make what you can. Enjoy the time that you have. Be faithful in fellowship. Now, a subsection of this, if you'll notice, is, is breaking of bread. Now, it's hard to pin down exactly what Luke is meaning here because when you read through the New Testament, uh, this phrase translated breaking bread together, uh, sometimes it means just eating a meal. Sometimes it's in a more technical sense of communion, of the Lord's Supper. And so we don't know exactly what she's meaning. Many times in the New Testament, what the early church did was they combined those two things. They had what, what they called a love feast. And so what they would do is they would have, in Baptist terminology, we'd have a potluck. And then after that, then they'd have the Lord's Supper. Okay, so we don't know what, she's, what she has in mind. It's probably both. But uh, I've already talked about eating a meal together. I'll bypass that. But I would like us to be more regular in observing the Lord's Supper. Uh, again, last year it, it, uh, uh, it got skipped a few times. I'd like us to focus more on that. And the last thing that he says is prayer. They devote themselves to literally the prayers. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and try to make you feel guilty about prayer life because, let's face it, we all need to pray. We all have a lot of distractions, and it's tough. Sometimes we have stuff going on that, that distracts our minds. Sometimes we have little ones. Sometimes we just have whatever the environment is. Sometimes we just don't get up on time, and then we don't have time to pray. And then, you know, and we all, we're all there. We've all been there. This is not focusing on personal prayer when he says this. His, his focus, as with the rest of this stuff, is on 
a church's life. It's talking about public corporate prayer. What he's saying is prayer should be a regular part of a church's gathering. And I, we, we have that. We have specific times throughout our service when we pray. But this year I'd, I'd like us to have at least a few times where we just meet together just to pray. Like on a Wednesday night or something like that. Where, where we just pray. Say, that's it? Isn't that enough? You know, sometimes... Well, never mind. I don't. Anyway, praying together. There are all these things that, you know, people come up with. The family that blanks together stays together. You've seen those. The family that plays together. So some Christian came along. Well, change that L to an R. The family that prays together stays together. But I think that, that prayer helps a lot in the fellowship of a church. One of the writers that I read this week said, these early Christians knew they could, that they could not meet life in their own strength and that they did not need to. They always went into God before they went out to the world. They were able to meet the problems of life because they had first met him. And I read that and I thought, man, that's a lot of good stuff in two sentences. Now those things are, are basic, aren't they? Should a church be faithful to, to hear and to do what the Bible says? Yeah. Duh. And that always, of course, that's common sense. And shouldn't a church be faithful in, in, in spending life together, bearing one another's burdens, encouraging one another, lifting each other up in prayer? Shouldn't it be doing that? Of course. And we look at it and we say, Pastor, you're not telling me anything I didn't already know. No, it's basic. But you know what? Many times, whether it's on a sports team or martial arts or church, you need to get back to the basics. Get back to the basics. Practice those things. Be faithful. Be faithful to the Word. Be faithful to fellowship. Be faithful in, in, uh, in this journey together because we're, we're in this all together. We're journeying through life, and, and we don't know what 2016 is going to hold. And when we look at it, we may, may feel some excitement because who knows what it's going to hold. Some of us, if 2015 beat us up, might be a little less optimistic and say, who knows what 2016 is going to hold. But you know what? Either way, that's what the church body is for, isn't it? It's to support one another. It's to encourage one another. It's to, to share one another's burdens. And with the Lord's help, with each other's support, we can face whatever, whatever it is that 2016 has for us. I want you to stand with me as a musician comes. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I covered a lot of ground today. Salvation. Baptism, membership, church attendance, obedience to the word, fellowship, Lord's Supper, prayer. Well, we, we just covered a lot. 
I wonder which of those things is it that you need to respond to? You need to respond in faith and repent. be baptized this year? Do you make New Hope your church home? Do you need to focus on attending regularly? Do you need to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that that you do call people to salvation and that you give us the opportunity to publicly declare that we've been saved, that we're uh, now one of your children in the act of baptism. God, I thank you that you put us here in a body, that you didn't, uh, that you didn't just leave us out to, to try and do it all alone because we know that we can't do it alone. And in this age of independence, help us remember that we're not independent, but we're dependent. We're interdependent on one another and ultimately dependent on you. God, I thank you for the fellowship that we have here. I thank you for the people's heart. And I ask that you'd help us all to love one another better than we did in 2015. And the next year to love each other better than we do this year. Let that love keep growing. But not just one another, God. Help us to have a heart for the people of the world that don't know you, that are lost, some of which don't even know they're lost. God, again, I ask you to help us all to Respond in the ways that you want us to respond. In Jesus' name.